Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dermatilla Diaries. For any fashionistas listening, today I have with me a very special guest. It is a fabulous fashion writer, style influencer, entrepreneur and creative consultant, Alyssa Coscarelli, also known as Alyssa in the City. Thank you so much for joining me today, Alyssa. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm really excited about this conversation because I had absolutely no idea that this was something you were managing and experiencing. And, you know, when I look on on what you do for a living and, and the amazing looks, I mean, it's like, wow, like I, I'm constantly envious, like, oh my God, everything just looks amazing. And it's like, there's me just living in my robe. So it feels <laughs> all the time. I have like total mum bod, but I wanted to, yeah, just just get right to it and, and understand your journey with compulsive skin picking. Definitely. Yeah. I, I have been looking forward to this because I think to this day, I still kind of struggle to sort of come out with it and discuss it more. And I just even shared it publicly maybe like one or two years ago and haven't even really found a way to maintain that conversation in a way that feels comfortable to me. So I think just like taking an opportunity like this is a great way to just talk about it more and hopefully help some people by doing that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I know it will, because obviously you are a person of influence. You are someone that a lot of people look up to and want to aspire to be more like. And so it's really important if there's something that you're struggling with behind the scenes to bring that to light for your own, for your own mental well-being and health. But it takes a lot of courage to do that as well. And, and how was that when you first talked about it openly? Yeah, I think like I always thought about sharing it, but just never really knew how. And one day I just woke up and I just felt like it was time. Like the words came to me and I was just ready to share it outwardly on Instagram. And I also wrote a piece for Teen Vogue about my experience and really just found both of those moments pretty therapeutic. And I think I've always heard people say like to just talk about it and connect with people on an issue like this. It's like half the battle because it really just lifts this weight off your chest to realize that you're not alone and there's so many other people dealing with this and to kind of not just like suffer in silence or like in shame. And I'm reading a book right now called Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. And she talks a lot about how like vulnerability and opening up are like the ultimate antidotes to shame. And the more you can kind of talk about something and bring it to light, the less shame you kind of carry about it. And it's scientifically proven even that like, it turns out like if you have a traumatic experience or something, you know, that you're struggling with, holding it in is actually worse than the experience itself or than like the mental struggle itself. Like that's pretty much the worst thing you can do is to like suffer in silence. And so I think just slowly trying to open up about it and connect with more people on this issue has been super therapeutic for me. And I hope I can keep navigating how to do that. Yeah, totally. And and thank you so much for that, that vulnerability. It takes a lot of courage and bravery to put yourself out there and to share that. And, and at the moment, it's like, oh, oh my God. Like, But I think the more the baby steps someone takes to kind of, as you say, open up and share their vulnerability. As you said, it reduces the shame, the more confident you feel comfortable with sharing that to people around you or even openly to people that you aren't face-to-face with. 
uh, especially online. So when did, can, can you remember a time when the behavior started to take place in your own life? It's hard for me to pinpoint exactly when, but I'm pretty sure it was probably around middle school when I started having those like, just sort of like hormonal breakouts and stuff like that, just going through puberty and all of that. And I think ever since I can remember, like I've never felt good about imperfections on my skin and always tried to do anything I could to kind of rid of them and Turns out I just make the situation worse by doing that. As we all know, if you suffer with skin picking, you kind of like feel like you're fixing something and it always ends up 10 times worse, at least for me. But yeah, ever since I can remember like just dealing with acne, I'm not one of those people that's just like blessed with super clear skin all the time. It's like a never ending saga with my skin. And as long as I can remember, I've dealt with the picking and just spending too much time in the bathroom and the mirror and like get basically touching anything I could get my hands on, whether it's like a dry skin or an actual acne or like a bump of any kind, always trying to like rectify it, but never, (laughs) never kind of making it any better. Mm, Yeah, I totally understand that. Especially the bathroom. I mean, that place, it's like, oh, first thing in the morning, I can hear it calling me. I'm like, oh, Um, last thing at night, especially. So obviously with what you do, you, sh- you show a lot of, not, I mean, not always a lot of skin, but like, you know, you've, you, you, your face, areas of the body, depending on the outfits that you're wearing. How, how have you found that experience? Because obviously there's a lot of us within this community where we are safe, I guess, in the sense that we don't need to post so much about, well, I mean, I say we're safe. Obviously there's always that, that, nervousness if you've just picked and you've got to go outside and, and be around other people and stuff but but a lot of us don't have to worry about that additional aspect of showing ourselves on social media to to in your case you know hundreds of thousands of people so how has that been in your experience with the psychological element and obviously the physical if, if you have just picked on areas of the face or the body and then having to do things like that yeah I mean I think one of the hardest parts about my job is just having to be like quote unquote camera ready at any given time on any given day. And no normal human really feels ready to get on camera and like flawless and confident and perfect every single day. It's just not realistic. And that kind of comes with the territory of my job as a content creator and as a style influencer, just having to kind of like, so I have deadlines for paid partnerships and content that's due. And sometimes I don't have a choice whether I'm feeling camera ready that day or not. I just have to suck it up and do it. And I think a couple of things relating to what I do, I think for one, I spend a lot of time on social media and therefore I'm just exposed all day to like all of these beauty influencers and their perfect skin and their skin tips and their da da da. And it's like, it's seemingly endless. And like, even on TikTok, I get into these beauty TikToks about like, you know, products to use and like skincare. And it's like, I try to like learn from it and like, et cetera. But I think everyone's skin is so different that it's like, it can be really triggering for me to like, see all these skincare videos and stuff, because it's like, sometimes it feels like I could try everything. I could spend every penny. I could try every, you know, supposed TikTok fix cure all, but ultimately like, it doesn't feel like any of it any ever works. And so a just 
having to deal with being on it all the time, I think it's natural to compare yourself to others. And I definitely feel the effects of that. And other than that, I think it's also just a matter of like, yeah, those days when you just don't really feel like taking a photo of your face, but you have to anyway. And it's like, maybe I picked really badly the night before and I have to spend like 30 minutes just like concealing everything, all the damage that I did the night before, just to like feel okay to get on camera. And I think one of the hardest parts for me, I love fashion and style and like clothes are my happy place in a way. And at the same time, my audience and my content has kind of grown and expanded to sometimes feature beauty as well, which I love. Like I love playing with makeup. I am really passionate about certain skincare and makeup that's worked well for me and my specific scenario. But at the same time, there's definitely been some instances where I have to shoot a beauty thing and they want me to start with a bare face or, you know, have bare skin to really show what the texture of the product looks like or the effects of it and that sort of thing. And that's when I feel like really exposed and and nervous and scared and uncomfortable. So yeah, there was like a shoot that came up out of nowhere recently because a friend of mine was like, oh, I'm here in town doing this photo shoot for this beauty brand. It's tomorrow. You should just come. Like you should just come. It'd be so great to have you. And a lot of times, like you said, before the call, you actually mentioned like, oh, is there something you do to prepare for like these shoots or maybe try not to pick, you know, normally if I do have a photo shoot where I know I have to like go get my makeup done or arrive somewhere with a bare face, I'll try really, really hard to not pick on the days leading up to that. But this particular instance, it came up with really short notice and I didn't, it was a good opportunity. So I didn't want to miss it. And (laughs) I went and did it and I came home and just immediately broke down crying, like just felt so exposed, so uncomfortable. Like I didn't get to sort of like prepare and like not pick leading up to it. It was just (laughs) a hard, hard day. So yeah. (laughs) It's it's hard. And I think it's great that we have a community of people that truly understand the emotional element of this, because like for anybody who doesn't understand, it's like, well, it's fine. Like, okay, you have this, this, okay. A couple of things in his face, fine, whatever they had makeup, whatever, but it's not the psychological element of like, no, I need to emotionally, mentally, like prepare for something like this. And as you say, that exposure and, and when you're not, when you haven't been told in advance and then you're kind of put in this spontaneous situation where you haven't prepared on all levels, not just physically. And they literally had me like the camera was right here. I had to like wash my face, like apply skincare products. Also there were products I actually hadn't used before and they were acting like they had me acting as if it was my routine and told you the brand, it would make sense because it was like a really awesome opportunity that I didn't want to pass up, but the whole thing just felt sort of wrong. And it didn't help that I had like scabs and scars like all over. And they had this light and this camera right in my face. And just like, yeah, talk about these products that you literally never use. And we'll record you doing the whole routine. And I was just like, it was, it was dreadful. (laughs) I mean, hats off to you. Like that, that takes a lot of guts to just like emotionally park that and be like, right, let's, let's just focus on this opportunity, get it done. I can deal with the emotional side of it as soon as I'm in my safe place. Yeah, and as soon as I walked in home, I just all came crashing down. I was just felt so awful. <laughs> I'm so sorry to hear that. That is 
gosh, I can't imagine like, yeah, I think for me, if it was me, like uh, that I would struggle so much with that. But I understand what you mean about, you know, that opportunity that you just can't pass up and you might kick yourself later on down the line. Like, I'm a, you know, we. And I think too, there's that whole struggle because people really wouldn't know looking at me on a, on any given day that I deal with this or that I struggle with this. And I think like my friend who offered me the opportunity, for example, probably is like, Oh, Alyssa has great skin. Like, of course she wants to come do this beauty shoot, this like skincare shoot. Like, why wouldn't she, you know, because Mm. looking at me, I have my makeup on and you almost wouldn't even know that this is something I deal with. And then like to be there and be on set and have like to have her see me and all the brand people see me without makeup on just felt like I was like, it almost sometimes with what I do feels like I'm lying because I'm putting out these like images where I have makeup on and I like feel confident or I'm wearing an outfit that I love or whatever. And that's what the content is about. But ultimately like behind all of that, I'm feeling like super miserable about my skin. Yeah. And how do you feel when, so, so your friend was like, you know, Alyssa has amazing skin. How do you feel about when people just mention your skin like not necessarily in a a negative way like in a positive way as well but that that feeling like on display like somebody is is monitoring your skin has analyzed and like evaluated your skin it's never a good feeling for me it's 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 kind of triggering for me no matter what (laughs) or like sometimes I'll be with a friend and someone will like compliment their skin and then like not mine and I'm like yeah that's fine like I get it. But yeah, I kind of, is just this constant thing of like never feeling like your skin is good enough. Even if someone is complimenting it, you're kind of like, Oh yeah, it's good today, but it won't be good tomorrow. Like it's, it's just, I have this like negativity and this insecurity about it for sure. That's kind of always there. Yeah, totally. I think, I think the vast majority of us who experience dermatillomania definitely have that I wouldn't necessarily say love hate relationship. I guess in some ways it could be that in that moment, that feeling of reward and pleasure and whatnot, but every other moment, just like, ah, oh, what have I done? And yeah. <laughs> and I think too, like, I try my best to practice like the same grace that I give to other people, like to myself. Like sometimes I'll see a friend with like bare skin and they'll have like a blemish or something. And I look at them and I'm like, oh, that's nothing. It doesn't matter. Like, it's not even bad. Like, or I may not even notice it at all. And like, no one notices the things that we do, especially when we're this close to the mirror, analyzing every bit, like no one's looking at our skin that closely. And I try to like, use that outlook on myself, but it's just harder for some reason to give yourself the same grace that you give other people. Whereas like, if a friend came to me and was like, oh my God, I have this terrible zit. I'd be like, oh, that's not even that bad. I didn't even notice it, you know? But then on me, it's the opposite. So trying to shift that mindset a little bit, however I can. Yeah. And I think that that's a really important part of, of uh, skin picking management is like some days you'll feel on it. Some days you'll be able to hear those words and really take them in and, and be patient with the progress and, and not so pressurizing on like, it needs to look perfect. But then other days it will be, you know, just like, exhaustion over it frustration it's not linear that definitely that's I think the biggest thing I've learned just struggling with this for so long is that there are like weeks months years at a time where it's not as bad and then you can always kind of go back to that place and feel like you're going backwards it's like 
one step forward, two steps back, you know, so it's definitely not linear. Mm. And and within the industry that you're in, would you say that when just talking back um, on the point of like comparison and stuff, obviously people like myself, just like everyday person who will see flashing creators like yourself, like absolutely killing it. And it's like, wow, look amazing. And I, I would look at things like this and be like, I wish I could look like that, you know, a constant comparison. But do you find that people, obviously you said yourself that you have struggled with comparison and you will be looking at the same things that people like myself would be looking at um, and feeling similar or the same kind of feelings of why can't I achieve, like, why, why can't my skin be like that person, you know, and understand that every skin type is different and stuff. But do you find that within the industry that you're in there, there are a lot of comparisons, like it's not just yourself that would be feeling that kind of way or. Yeah. I mean, I think some friends in the industry are better at sort of limiting their time on the apps than others. I think everyone's kind of on their own journey with that. But I do think comparison is natural. And when and when we're fed images of people that maybe like the images aren't unretouched or, you know, it's like it's lighting, it's face tune, it's this and that. And when you're when you're bombarded with that all day, every day, I think it's natural to compare yourself. And just in general, I think with what I do, working with brands all the time and also like following a lot of people that are also do similar things. You kind of say like, oh, she's working with that brand. Why doesn't that brand work with me? And it's like this constant kind of like reassurance that like just trying always to tell myself like, no, I'm enough. I have enough. You know, it's not personal. It's business, that kind of thing. But yeah, I think the comparison definitely rampant and normal in Mm -hmm. a way. Okay. Well, that's really, it's good to know, but at the same time, it, you know, it is a shame that no matter what you do, there is always that pressure that we put on ourselves. And I do think, you know, especially within the beauty industry, it kind of, a, a lot of things that you see, it kind of feeds that. It, it's kind of a case of that so many of us, in order for products to be sold and, and for brands to thrive, it, it's a shame that that things can be created for us to compare ourselves and feel like we need to buy X, Y, Z. That's like sort of a side effect of skin picking that I deal with that I don't know if it's talked about very much. That's sort of like, I buy so much product thinking like, this is going to be the thing to finally fix it. Oh, it worked for her. It cleared her acne. Maybe it'll work for me. And you're just constantly, you know, obviously the the beauty industry feeds off of our imperfections. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I even find myself buying things all the time that I think are finally going to like fix my problems when ultimately it's much deeper than that. A, B, it's like so hard navigating the ingredients and what's actually in every product, not to mention every person's skin is different, like I said. And I have this thing online that I now check like the ingredients. I paste in the ingredients for a product to see like if it's pore clogging or not. And it's just like, it's a lot. But I think, yeah, one thing that people don't really talk about with skin picking is like, uh, is like you may be even more inclined to just like when you're already insecure about your skin to just like keep buying all these products that you think are going to make a difference when ultimately like primarily none of them are going to work if you keep picking at your face, you know, like no product can solve that. 
In fact, you know, I find sometimes if I do have a lot of scabs, just doing nothing is the best thing I can do rather than aggravating it more with like fragrance and like all these other chemicals and whatnot. So yeah, it's like this weird catch 22 where you like keep buying things thinking they're going to help when ultimately if you keep picking at your face, then nothing's really going to (laughs) help. Mm, no, absolutely. I think so many, definitely myself in, included there. And it's like, I, I get so caught up with these marketing gimmicks of like clear, clear skin in seven days or whatever. You're like, right, well, I need that. So I will buy right now. I'll buy five. And yeah. then you're like, no, nah, it didn't. But obviously like what you've touched on is so important. It's like, it's the actually leaving the self-soothing mechanism alone. And for many of us, skin picking or any other body focused repetitive behavior, hair pulling, cheek chewing, nail biting, it's they're all self-soothing mechanisms when we feel triggered by whatever. And there's a variety of triggers. Obviously, everyone has their different experiences of what has pushed them to this behavior and why they go to it. But obviously, a holy grail product in quote isn't necessarily going to just like eliminate the psychological element exactly. of this exactly it's it's tricky and and also with you being so busy obviously like you know going here there everywhere working with loads of brands all the different things that you're doing that's a really busy schedule so like do you ever find that sometimes you know, because you're so go, go, go. And I don't know if you, if you struggle from that like downtime, do you find like sometimes this kind of pushes you to that? In a weird way, I think all of the traveling and busyness that I do actually like keeps me from picking in a weird way. And it's when I'm like home in my own environment maybe not so much going on, that's when the picking can really like come on strong and take over and like be hard to fight. So even like when I stay at my boyfriend's house, for example, I mean, he's obviously physically there and he knows about my skin picking issue. So he is the best. And he's just like, what are you doing? Hey, like he'll he'll, like pop in the bathroom and be like, hey, what do you, you know, and he'll stay with me in there while I do what I need to do to make sure I don't pick up my face and stuff like that. So that obviously helps, but just in general, like changing my environment actually like makes me do it less. I don't know. That's just me. I think everyone's different, but so yeah, it's obviously a super busy schedule and like travel is maybe starting to pick up again. I was just in Paris for fashion week and like actually being in a new place and keeping busy or like staying with a friend or staying with my partner or someone else, which I was staying with a friend in Paris, like actually helps me. And I won't really do it as much in those scenarios. It's more so when I'm home and maybe it's a little slower. I have some time, too much time to spend in the bathroom looking at everything. Hmm. That's that's really interesting to know. Yeah, I know um, for a lot of us, we have our individual environments that are quite triggering. And for a lot of people like boredom and, and downtime when we are like physically inactive especially if we're like lying in bed watching something or we read like watching something on scrolling on our phones or watching tv or whatever and we just kind of not even realize like our hands are moving and touching things and I I think I mean I can only talk about my personal experience here but I'm aware that in those moments I am physically winding down and I'm you know chill but 
in the back of my mind, I'm probably thinking of X, Y, Z, like a whole to-do list of right tomorrow, we've got to do this. We've got to this, this, this. And so it's still, it's like a hamster wheel mentally. And it, it took a lot of like, and it could be the same with yourself maybe, but you don't realize it until you you step back and you're like, right, why am I doing this? Like what's pushing me right now? There was an instance many years ago that I decided to do some behavioral therapy for my skin picking. And one of the main exercises that my therapist at the time had me do was sort of like a journal of like every day, mostly my like triggered time is before bed, like getting ready for bed. Mm -hmm. And so she'd have me write like a journal of each night. Like, how did you feel when in the bathroom? Did you pick like how badly one through 10? How long did you spend picking? What were you thinking about as you were picking? And that really made me realize that typically as I'm picking, I'm thinking about other other stressors, that mm-hmm. rolling to-do list, the things I have to do tomorrow, the things that are looming over me that maybe I didn't get done today, the any anxieties, playing over conversations I had earlier in the day, anything like that is really what's running through my mind um, when I'm picking. So I think the tools I got in behavioral therapy really did help me for a while. And I still kind of do mentally go back to them today, but yeah, they really just helped me realize the patterns and like primarily what I was thinking about when I was doing it. Mm, It's great that you were able to kind of put that into practice that really got your thought process going. I had to do that as well a few years ago for my own behavioral therapy. And it really was like a light switch moment of like, oh, okay, like this all is connected to various things. It's not just that I'm doing it and that's that's that. There's reasons why I'm doing it. And when you have to like, when you have to be consciously aware of how you, where your mind's going and like noting that down, it's quite surprising, right? Like of, of where you're actually, you could be miles away and not realize it. Totally. And I think it's easy to like get into this trance phase, like as you're, picking. And then like, sometimes I don't know if this happens to you, but like when I'm finished, like I'll snap out of it and be like, Oh my God, where, where was I just then? And all this time has gone by and what did I just do? And so I think just like trying to practice that mindfulness, like essentially that journaling exercise is just like a way to practice mindfulness as you're doing it. And it's easier said than done a lot of the time, but yeah, it helped a lot. That's great. And have there been any other things that you found have been helpful in your in your individual journey, um, especially with the go, go, go lifestyle that you have? I think the biggest one is just having a supportive partner and opening up to my partner about this issue has always been a huge help. Like I said, he's like super understanding of it. And now he's kind of got my back on it. And he will try to like get ready for bed with me or spend time with me in the bathroom or if I am in there alone. He'll like check in, make sure I'm not doing anything bad <laughs> and that sort of thing. And he also understands like if I do like at home, if I pick or something and then he notices the next day, he's like, oh, did you pick? You know, and we can talk about it. And I was like, yeah, I was feeling really stressed and anxious. And he was like, okay, well, let's try and like not touch it for a while so that it can heal. Like he's just very supportive in general. And that's been the biggest help, I think. Also just talking about it, my room, my roommate knows as well. So she's kind of like helped me through a lot of the hard times with it as well. And my family, et cetera. So just like telling my close circle that it's something I'm dealing with and having them be aware of it as well. I think too, just like trying my best to 
get to the bottom of my skin issues. Like if there's acne and bumps and stuff, I'm going to pick more than if there isn't, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. like, it's often very triggering and very hard for me to go to the dermatologist because it just feels shameful. And you just, once you've tried everything, like I have every treatment, every Accutane, every laser, every, you name it, it can feel really triggering to go to the skin doctor. Cause you're kind of just like, is anything ever going to work? And you feel shame because they're like looking at your face and it's just very, very vulnerable. But like recently I did find one that I really like, like she has a really positive energy. She's never like shaming me or like, she's really just trying to get to the bottom of it with me. And she's like, you know, put me on a different type of like oral pill and like a topical. And it was like helping a lot for a while. And then like, I found that when I had less to pick at, I would pick less. Like when I just had less breakouts, less bumps, better texture in general, because of what she was giving me and kind of had me on a regimen where she was like having me come in every month to check how things were going. And so I think like finding the the medical support too, that works for you can be really important. I'm not doing behavioral therapy for it right now. I've definitely considered going back, but I also sort of feel like, A, like I'm dreading on find, dreading finding the right person. It's uh-huh. so hard to find the right therapists for you. And B, kind of like, oh, I already did it. Is it really going to teach me anything that I like don't already know type of vibe? Which like, I'm sure that that's just the voice in my head and it probably would help. But right now it's not something I'm actively seeking. I'm more so just trying to get my skin as, you know, consistent and healthy as possible so that there's less for me to pick at, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And just using my support network as much as I can. That's great. It's great that you've got such supportive people around you. I can definitely vouch for, you know, we're in a very privileged position where our, we have spouses that are very supportive. Um, I know not everybody is able to, to have that support, but I, I understand how important it is um, to have someone and it doesn't necessarily need to be a spouse, but just someone close that has your back and, and doesn't come at you with judgment because there's so much pressure, even when somebody's trying to communicate through love, like stop doing that. There's a lot of pressure that comes with it. So yeah, I, I know I'm very thankful for, for my other half as well. The times when he comes in the bathroom and just sits there. Um, yeah. I also make him look after my tweezers. <laughs> oh, yeah, those, um, my freezer, my tweezers are currently in the freezer in a block of ice. So, <laughs> nice way to, uh, to stop yourself getting at them. You have to chip, chip through the ice if you need. Yeah. So it's been pretty effective so far, but yeah, no, it's definitely a privilege to have someone looking out for you. And I know not everyone has that and it really can be so isolating, but I think even if it's just a friend that knows about it, that you can text or Mm -hmm. that might just text and check in on you can be just a huge lifesaver for sure. I'm really glad to hear it. And when you, when you chatted, uh, chatted, when you opened up about your experience online to people that follow you, how was the response on that? Did you get any messages from people saying, you know, oh my God, I do this too? Yeah, so, so many. Wow. It was honestly eye-opening. Even to this day, people will still find the article. It got picked up by a few different news outlets and I guess maybe it still circulates sometimes or if people are searching about the issue online, they might find the articles. And so I'll get messages like just thanking me for talking about it and people really feel that like when they find the writing I've done on it online, they find like 
that they feel legitimized and they feel seen and they feel like, oh my God, it's not just me. This is a real thing. I'm not the only person struggling with this. And sometimes I do get messages where they're just like, who was your therapist? What can I do? Do you have any tips? You know, and I, I don't really feel like I'm accredited or properly meant to give people like medical advice or advice Mm -hmm. on like how to deal with it really. And I'm no longer in touch with like the behavioral therapist I did many years ago. I, I can't even remember her name, honestly. So I can't always give people like the answers that they're seeking, but more so I think the biggest thing for me is just realizing how many primarily like young women are dealing with this and hopefully all of us can start to feel less alone just realizing that there are so many people dealing with the same issue and just kind of yeah feel legitimized and feel seen in seeing that totally and what you did was so powerful and moving because spreading awareness is so important like when people are able to connect the dots and be like wow that that's so me like I I do all of those then it can push them to then look at more information, resources online, connect the dots even more, might even help them to raise the confidence to talk to their medical professional about it or look at different you know, therapy options or whatever it is to help them. But it starts with it starts with, you know, planting the seed first. And it's great that you were able to use your platform to do just that because you know that nobody told you to do that. You weren't forced to do that. You just you know, that took a lot of courage and um, I'm very grateful that you were able to to help support people raising awareness on, on what so many of us do behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. And I even around around the similar time, actually, someone named Tavi Gevinson, who is an amazing fashion writer and actress that I've always looked up to in my career. She came out and said, that she also deals with it. Like around a similar time, she came out in the press and was speaking about it. And I just remember how validated I felt seeing that and being like, wow, like Tavi deals with that. Like that's wow. I can't, I, a, I couldn't believe it. I had no idea, you know, that whole thing. And then also just being like, wow, it's, it's truly like such a legitimate thing that's happening that so many women are dealing with. And I was so like proud of her for sharing it and grateful for her for sharing her journey. And so it's really just this domino effect. And I'm sure people felt the same seeing my stuff and and vice versa. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it it's exciting time because like this time 10 years ago, there wasn't half as much things out there, you know, people discussing resources available, maybe even therapists available because you've got the pl- places like the TLC Foundation that actually work on training medical professionals to understand and better support these things. And it's great that year on year, we're seeing more growth, not just in the yeah. awareness the treatment options and that's so necessary because like there have been times where I like speak to a dermatologist and I just don't even want to bring it up because I know that they're going to be like oh don't touch your face like don't pick and you're like okay obviously like I don't want to be doing it but I am and like that's not helping at all you know and I just think a lot like you said like a lot of training needs to happen for medical professionals to even be able to handle this when it comes up properly. And I'm really glad to see that foundations like that exist and that we are making progress just as far as more people talking about it and legitimizing it and hopefully professionals getting the training that they need to to handle it when it does come up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, completely. It's exciting. It's going to be exciting the next few years. I'm sure we're going to see so much more help and resources and awareness being raised. So it's really cool. 
what would you say if you were to meet yourself, your your past self, maybe when you're back in middle school and you had a moment with them? Like, what would you say to little younger Alyssa about this? I would probably just say to try and just enjoy. Like, you don't get those years back and, you know, just try to enjoy each moment and each day as much as possible and try not to worry about the future too much. <laughs> Mm, yeah, because it's a stressful time then. You're trying to, you get, you get told like, right, you have to decide what you want to do with the rest yeah. of your life. It's what? really so crazy when you think about it. You're like, so we're telling 12, 13 year olds that they have to like know what to do with their life like ASAP. And it's just like, that's just insane. But um, no, I'm fortunate that I, I did have an idea of what my passions were and followed them. And I had a supportive family who was like, oh yeah, you want to study fashion? You want to move to New York? Okay, let's, we'll support you. We'll make it happen. And I'm really, I, that's such a privilege. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. I think just even at that young age, I was stressed about like what I was doing and what I would become. And I would just tell myself now to just to try and just enjoy each day and just take it as it comes. Oh, I love that. I'm sure a lot of us can, can resonate with that. Yeah, thank you. And and what I usually do with every episode when it starts to draw to a close, I love to ask my lovely guest if if you have a specific quote that you like and, and maybe share a little bit of why it's your favorite. Definitely. So there's a quote that's pretty much called the man in the arena, which maybe mm-hmm. we'll replace it with the woman in the arena. But mm-hmm. it's from a speech that Theodore Roosevelt once gave. And it really helped me through a hard time a couple of summers ago. And then recently, my friend recommended this book to me that I'm reading called Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. And it literally, the title comes from the quote and it opens with the quote. And she had no idea that this quote already meant something to me. So it felt like such a sign that she recommended this book to me out of nowhere. And then it opened with my favorite quote, but I have it pulled up here and it just says, it is not the critic who counts not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. So it's kind of a lot. And I definitely think that you should just reread it after this at some point, but it really just saying that like the A, if you just take chances and live a courageous life, there's going to be highs, there's going to be lows, there's going to be learnings, there's going to be failures, but all of it is just part of the territory. And anyone who's critiquing you while you're trying to live courageously doesn't matter. And the people who do matter will never be the critics in the stands. They'll be the ones supporting you no matter what. So there's a lot to it, but it's a great one. And it's one that comes up in my life again and again. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing it. And um, what I'll do is I'll, I'll add it into the description as well so that people can have a little read because I think it's, as you say, it's one of those ones that it, it reread it a couple of times to, to really let it stick. I think, yeah, that's so powerful. Thank you so much for sharing that. So thank you so much, Alyssa. It's been a wonderful conversation. Thank you for taking the time. 
Now, I know, I know, obviously, we can find you on, I'm guessing, uh, across all of the social medias. Mostly Instagram and TikTok at Alyssa in the city. And um, my email is also on my Instagram. So you can reach me there. Great. Okay. Well, thank you so much. It's been an an absolute pleasure talking to you today and we'll be in in touch, I'm sure, very soon. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me and just for having this podcast. I know it's helping so many people and it's an honor to be a part of it. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. Have a great day, Alyssa. Speak soon. You too. Talk to you soon. Bye.